0: pray that prayer this morning. God, would you speak to me? Because he's the only one who can. He's the only one who can give you words that are gonna bring life to your life. Um, He's the only one who has uh, the the direction and the will uh, for your life that he wants to reveal to you this morning. I believe that uh, from the inside out, and that's been changing so much over the last little while. Um, Many of you have been going on this journey kind of with me uh, just as we relook at prayer uh, and what God's desire for that uh, is for us. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had shared, you know, I talked with a friend of mine. And he, was, he was talking about whether prayer was even, what was, was, was even uh, if there was even a point to it. You know, is it powerful or is it just pointless? You know, he said, I pray and 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 I don't get any answers. And um, we began to just b- break that down a little bit as to why are we praying? What are we, what are we believing God for? And is it really believing? Or is there something else that, that we're, that we're um, using prayer for? Um, one of the things that... Um, One, I guess the the quotes, I don't even know if it's a quote, but um, one of the things that's been just on my mind over the last few weeks as even going through this is that um, this is not heaven and I am not God. And you're like, well, Mark, we all knew that already. (laughs) Good thing you figured that out. Um, But let let me just break that down a little bit for you this morning. How many of us that with this planet, it's everything to us? you know, that that death would be a scary thing because all we know is what we hold on to here. For how many of us is it that joy and happiness when we sing the song, God, you're my everything, isn't really true because where we really seek our joy is in something else or in someone else or in something. That we can't even sing those words with genuineness because our version of what we think is heaven and, and, and incredible joy is here. How many of us look to the end and say, you know what, yeah, I'm living my life for eternity. Or am I living my life for retirement? I know that's really heavy to start with. I, I'm sorry. Mark, where's the nice sermon? You know, where's the joke at the beginning? <laughs> you know, the, the, the thing is, this isn't heaven. And so often we hold on to so much that we see here because that's all we know and we think that that's what it's all about. But the second part of that is I'm not God. Um, that part to me is the where he's just revealing that so often um, I, I've I've allowed prayer to be, to to be me being God, trying to get him to do what I want for me. I I go in with, like we said, with prayers and requests, and he's good with that. He told us to. But that wasn't the full extent of what prayer was about. It wasn't leave God a voicemail. When you get to it, you know, you can answer that, God, because I'm really God in my life. You know, when we would pray for things that he doesn't want for us, when you pray prayers that, you know, that, that that uh, unbeliever that you think is so hot would fall in love with you and God doesn't give that to you, you know, and you can't understand why God isn't coming through, he never designed that. You know, you, there's, there's, there's thoughts where it's like, you know, where we will spend all of our money that, that actually he gave us the ability to make, to buy toys and things for us, to try and find joy, and then when we've run up our visa bills, begging God to bail us out, he says, ah, hey, you know, that wasn't why I gave you that money. It wasn't ever to love it or to have it as being a blessing. And so this morning, um, as we look at this, I, I would really encourage you not to sit here this morning and say, you know what, I'm God. So God, you know, because, in, in this viewpoint of God, what are you going to do for me today? What's, what are you going to give me today? My, my heart for you and for myself is, God, what are you doing today? <laughs> why, why, do, why am I here? Why do, you, why do you have me here today? And to say, God, whatever it is, would you speak to me? Uh, would you direct my life? Today is your day. I live this day for you. I'm not God on my life anymore. You are? Um, yeah, I know that's way off the thing. But I believe that's not just for me this morning, but for for those as we look at his word, that we would um, that we'd just begin to, to, to know the God of this word. That we just allow that to, to really create genuine relationship with him and us. So prayer was designed to be we looked at that too, that it was this idea of dad, <laughs> You know, it's that, that father and son relationship, father and daughter relationship of, um, of building something out of that. Um, his word, his word this morning is amazing. Uh, we talked about that a few weeks ago. Let's not, let's not forget what, what this is, what the, what's, uh, he had penned on paper so that we would have uh, f- for, for generations uh, and that it changes lives throughout everything. It's not, he's not limited by time in any way. But it's not the words on the page that are going to change your life. It's the words that, that, not the words that you find. It's the word that finds you. It's the word from this page that just grabs your heart this morning. Like, oh, God, you're talking to me. And when you would grab hold of that word, boy, it can bring incredible change in your life. This morning, if you come here and you just hear the words off the page and, and, don't, and aren't open to that word that will grab you, it won't do anything for you. Kingsway can be the next religion. That is powerless. Really could be. The next, the next, you know, dead, dying church. But I believe there's so much more for you. I believe that if we say, hey, you know what? This isn't just about one guy doing the thing. It's about me. God, what, are you, what do you want to say to me this morning? So in that mode of just saying, God, let's have an, I have an open heart to you. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. Would you just, um, as we just look at his word this morning, would you just have that in there uh, just as the thought um, I'm just going to share for a couple of minutes this morning It doesn't have a title um, it's, it's been one of those weeks where it's like I, oh, There's just lots But I, I'm not going to give you too much I'm just going to give you some thoughts this morning Matthew chapter 16 um, If you, if you uh, have your Bible and I really hope you guys do um, Bring your Bibles on, uh, on Sundays Get a chance to uh, jot some stuff down some, Take some thoughts for later you know you don't have, Most of you probably don't have a screen like this at home, right? You know, you wish in your man cave. I know somebody who does, but most of you don't. Um, Matthew chapter 16, uh, Jesus is having, he's hanging out with his disciples. He's talking to them, and um, he says this in verse 13, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And basically, he's saying, who, who do people say that I am? And they, um, they said to him, some, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And then he said to them, okay, that's cool, but who do you say that I am? And there's no difference in the disciples back then and the disciples today. There's no difference in those who follow Jesus then and those of us here today who follow Jesus. He's asking the same question. Who do you say that I am? It it doesn't say that he was asking um, Peter because it says they replied. He asked them the first question and they replied. He asked them the following question, said, who do you say that I am? And Peter, it says Peter replied and he said this, "Um, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are the son of God. There's no doubt in my mind that, that that's who you are. You're not one of the prophets. You're not Elijah. You're something completely different. You're the son of God. And Jesus says to Peter in verse 17, um, Simon, he says, you're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed that to you. See, that, that's what I'm, my heart is this morning, is that that would become consistently happening in our lives, is that the, the, things are being revealed to you. That by Father in Heaven, not, not just saying, Oh, you know, those guys say this, those guys say that, that preacher says this, that guy says this. No, but Father in Heaven reveals this to you. He says, This is um, this is what happened. Peter, you just heard God talk to you. Monday night when we were around here and people were starting to say things, I feel like, you know, I feel like God's saying this, and I just all I get is Isaiah. You know, and that's and 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 go into that and then reading a verse. God's talking to you. Some of you just came here this morning with the expectation that it's going to come through me, and I want to just blow that out of the water, because it could be from the person sitting next to you. You could be the person who could be revealing Jesus to the person right next to you, and you don't even know it. That's how fantastic it is to be church. You know, I love it. Um, Love it. Last night we were sharing, and after the message, I just said, hey, I just said, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts? What's what's God sharing in your heart just after you heard this? And they just made up their whole own message, you know? It's like one next and the point, it was like a three-point sermon and, and stories and, and it was phenomenal. Why? Because that's what he wants to do is, is generate that in you. And he said this to Peter. He's like, Peter, you just heard God. He just revealed this to you. Um, and, he says, and he says, now I say to you, Peter, which means rock, uh, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer He's not building it on Peter. There's a word study you can do later. What he's building the church on is that idea of Jesus being revealed to his followers. When Jesus gets revealed in our lives, something happens. When you begin to hear the voice of God for yourself, something happens. It's not like you come on Sundays and like, yeah, I, I, heard, I heard something and it was good, but it affects your everyday life. Whereas Sunday, it could affect Sunday. It could affect this time here together. But when you wake up tomorrow morning with that openness to hear God and he begins to reveal stuff in your life, it's like, whoa, that affected Monday. And that's probably going to affect the people in your life on Monday, the people in your house. Um, Beth and I, when these moments happen in our lives, we share them with each other. It's like, wow, that's, that's cool. And, and, and things, things begin to change um, in our lives. And that's what I'm believing God for for you is that you would have that word that's revealed. You know, when something's hidden, like... Um, revealing is like you get to see things the way they really are. Like when we sang this last song, I don't believe that I see it the way he really is yet, but I want to. When I say that, I believe that if I would just see God the way they saw God, it's like they fell on their face like they were dead. I didn't have that this morning, but I want to. I want to know him. And and my heart is that that, that's the same for you as well, that he would reveal um, reveal himself. We play hide and go seek with our kids. Um, it used to be a lot more fun because I used to just be able to hide and I'd hide under the stairs and then I'd pl- Bust out my phone and play Angry Birds while the kids looked for me, and um, it was dark in there, right, so they'd come running down the stairs and they'd be looking all downstairs because I knew I'm down there somewhere, and then from under the stairs after a few minutes of them, Dad, we can't find you like upstairs, and they'd run up the stairs and they'd like looking for me upstairs, Dad, we can't find you, but I could hear them like downstairs and I'm like, How does he do that like he's, he's got and then you could hear them walking up the stairs and looking and then downstairs, like how did he and they run down, and, and it, was, it was great. I would work for like 15 and 20 minutes until Beth would say, listen, he's under the stairs. Just turn the light on, and boom, there he is. And, and now it's like, as soon as we go hide, play hide and go seek, first thing they do, come in there, turn the light on, dad's revealed, you know? It's, it's like they, they right away uh, see that my heart is that, that that would be the same for you this morning. The light just comes on. It's like, whoa, I, I just, he's been revealed, um, and, and that you would know, because there's something really incredible about this, about this knowing Jesus for yourself. That it changes the way you do life. And we've been talking about that. Um, Jesus said to Peter, he's like, I'm going to build the church on this. So what does church look like that Jesus is building? Well, that's what it looks like. It looks like real people who really know Jesus in, in their real life. Is that me? Is that you? This morning as we look at it, you know, in, in, the, in, in the Bible, there's a uh, verse in Acts chapter 2. This week I was hanging out with another pastor and we were talking about what we do in our church and what he does in his church. And, and then I took him here and I showed off the building and, and I was like, man, but you really it'd be so much better if you were here on a weekend. I know you're working, but you know it'd be really cool if you came and met the people here because that's what I'm most proud of is these people that that are, that, that are here each weekend and, and throughout the time. And then all of a sudden one of them showed up. and was like, hey, and he sure enough he 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 did the he did a good job, made a good impression. You know, I was like, yes, it's a risk with that one. You never know. It's fifty fifty. Um, I won't mention any names, but. Um, um, it was, uh, it was, it was. I was like, man, it's great. You know, this is just so, so neat to see. But we were talking about stuff. He's like, asking, well, why do you do so many different things? I was like, because you know, there's a, there's a way that God wants to reveal Himself to people, and it's not always going to be exactly the same. But then, as we were talking about it, this thing of, you know, what, well, if Jesus was pastoring a church, what would it look like? And all of a sudden, ding! This verse came to me, Acts two forty two. I've read it many times, but sitting in Tim Hortons, all of a sudden God talked to me right there in Tim Hortons. So check that out. So I went to Acts chapter two. Verse 42, a verse that I had already known. But as, as he said, this is, if, if you want to see a church that, that looks like what I'm actually building, this, this is what it is. He says, um, all the believers, so it's people who are believers in Jesus, uh, it says devoted themselves. They, they gave themselves to, they committed themselves to. That word committed, it, it actually means uh, steadfast. It means they adhered to, they were constant to one. You're like, that's kind of cool. But it's even cooler when you see how they compare it to something called marriage. It's this idea of devoted to. It's like I'm so given to that that that's the only person. It's just me and, and, and them. It's like I'm fully committed to Beth. For, for those of you who are married, I, I, this is good advice. Be fully committed to that one person. They don't like it when there's a few others on the side. It doesn't work. So, But now now just come back and say, okay, that's the same idea as what Jesus is saying with church. That, I, that the church I'm building is just as seriously committed to me. That there, there isn't just any of this other stuff on the side. It's the, Their focus is so set on them that it doesn't really matter what else is around. Because that's, that's what it is. And so he says, what, what are they so set on? They're so set on teaching. They're so set on, this, on the teaching of the apostles, which, uh, thanks to Mark Willard, he shared with us a few weeks ago that they didn't even have the New Testament, they just had, you know, that was written later, but it says as they wrote these things, they were committed to studying that. Guess what? Those believers never met Jesus. Any of you met Jesus? <laughs> Not yet. We're in the same boat. We're those people that same, have the same opportunity to devote ourselves to, 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 uh, to the Word to say, I want to know, God, who you are through what, what they're teaching. And that, that's, your, you know, that's your whole New <laughs> Testament, Old Testament. That's Bible study. I love that. Thanks for sharing that today about um, covenant and how it's speaking to you. Because that's what happens. It's, it's being involved in that. Then it says they, could, they devoted themselves. They were committed to, constant to koinonia fellowship. Fellowship, And you're like, and we don't use that word very often. Some of it, it's like a Christian word. Yeah, we do fellowship on Sundays, right? Or we have a fellowship hall in our church or, or whatever. Um, you know, we're, we're the church. He says, that's not what I'm talking about. He says, fellowship is community, common union, um, joint participation in doing things. And then he, he gets it really, really thing. And I mean, you know, the kids are gone downstairs or most of them. Um, but he says this, it's like, it's like marriage. He uses words like intercourse. And we're not saying, don't take that, out of context, he's saying that with the church, he says I want there to be intimacy, that you know the people in this family, you know their deep dirt, dirty, deep dark and dirty secrets, and and, and yet and they know yours, and that that's okay. Why? Because what's kept secret and kept hidden keeps power over your life and just causes you to be fake, causes you to miss out on what. He's really designed. But there's power in, in being in that community. There's power in being in his real relationship with Jesus. There's power in the church. Like he says, the gates of hell will not stand against this kind of church. My life and desires that as church, as you, as individuals, as people, that the gates of hell are not winning in your life. He says, but this is a thing of committed to the word, committed to fellowship, committed to the breaking of bread. They commit to have dinner with each other. And it's not just Lord's Supper. It says that that's one of them, but that's not what it was. Only, they said, you know what? We're going to hang out in each other's homes. We're going to do life together. It doesn't matter if you come to my house and it's a mess. We're just going to, that's okay. You know, the kids are squawking nuts. Okay. They do that anyways. You know, it's like uh, uh, welcome to the lived-in look and uh, you know, it's like when people come over sometimes you got a little bit of mess and you're like, oh, it it never looks like this. It was just this one. Just tell them the truth. It always looks like this. It's usually worse, you know. Come on in. It's okay. Uh, Because we're building fellowship and community. Start eating. You're like, ever have those conversations that don't happen. You stand and talk to somebody, and you're like, um, so, uh, how you doing? Good. And you wait for that question. You have, ever have conversations that are just kind of not going anywhere? Start eating. You'd be amazed at how all of a sudden it's like, they got all kinds of stuff to talk about. It's so rude with their mouth full, but it just brings words when you start using your mouth. It, it's why we do what we do. It's why we're having a big party after the, uh, after the car rally. We don't really care about driving cars. I mean, we do. Whoever's making the car rally think, Oh, they're not here. Good. We, um, we, we, we don't really care so much about driving around. We could care about building um, community together. You may be like, eh, I don't really like a car rally, but you know what? I want to know these people. I want to connect with them. I want free pizza. Let's do this thing. You know? And uh, I'll fork over a couple extra bucks in gas so I can have the opportunity to do that. And the car rally is just fun to boot. So being a part of that. He says this is what they committed to. This was who the church was. They knew each other. And then it says the last thing. They were steadfastly committed to prayer. And I've had to confess that that's probably been the weakest area in my life, that I would have allowed the enemy as well in my life to show the, the powerlessness sometimes of what I was praying for. I shared with you many times that, you know, we, when we have a need, of, like with healing, we just pray for it. And where we find it, you know, about one out of 77 times that that's happened in the Bible, they never prayed. There was only one time they actually ever even said to pray for healing. All the rest of the time, they just healed them. Why? Because something happened. There was something in this. Romans chapter 12 verses 9 to 13 um, Paul gives a whole bunch of bullet shots to, uh, to the uh, church in Rome and says hey you know what that's Acts chapter 2 says this is what the church looked like on the outside here's what it lives like on the inside um, Romans chapter 12 if you're in, in Acts just go over one book to the right Romans chapter 12 The Lord says uh, don't just pretend to love others ding you know really love them Ding. Hate what's wrong. Ding. Hold tightly to what is good. There's no dings. I'm just adding that. Um, Love each other with genuine affection. But it's just these simple little thoughts. And like, they're huge. You know, they're not just like a list of, because when you read it, you just read down the whole list. He's saying, hey, really love each other. Think about that for a while. Do we really love each other? He says, hate what's evil. Do we really do that? And, And you could, you could preach a whole message on just each one of these i'm not going to but he says never be lazy get a job you know it says um work hard serving the lord um serve the lord enthusiastically in verse 12 he says rejoice in our confident hope be patient in trouble keep on praying and says when um, god's people are in need be ready to help them always be eager to practice hospitality he continues to go on talk about blessing those who persecute you he says um he says this rejoice in hope you know, you look at that spot where he's talking about be steadfast in prayer. He starts that one off with a couple points right before. It. He says, rejoice in hope. Hope, um, for those, you know, some of you thinking, you know, about, about what do you hope for? Um, I, had, I talked to a guy last night. He's a firefighter. And he just said, you know, after every time he went for that interview, after every interview, it took him like seven years to get onto the fire department. And his hopes would get raised every time that this is going to be the one and dashed. He said, well, okay, fine, I'm gonna do it again. And, and seriously, this guy went everywhere Windsor, Chatham, Hamilton. They're like, You're the last, you're in the final two. Sorry, just let you know the other guy got it dashed, you know? And to keep going, he says, This, this hope, many of you have hope that just really gets as close uh, as Christmas gets closer, all of a sudden it's like this hope begins to rise. And I know you think, you know, yeah, we're not like that, but even us adults, we're big kids sometimes, you know, where that, the, there's that hope that they're, they're Beth might let me get, you know, a convertible um, Ferrari. I know that's not gonna happen, but. Um, but uh, maybe like a convertible sunfire or something so I can ride in the uh, thing, you know? But something, something that's like this, uh, maybe this could happen. Um, There's this anticipation, but you know what, Paul? For many of you, you've you've done the hope, hope, hope. I hope that they're gonna get healed. I hope that, you know, I'm not gonna lose my house. I hope I'm not gonna lose my job. I hope I'm gonna marry that person. I hope I'm gonna do this, and I hope my kids turn out well. I hope my, you know, that uh, I'm gonna have health you know, all of those things. And for many of you, any of you, um, any of you ever had your hopes dashed, Ever? Tells us that we've had hope that's outside of the realm of what was, you know, doable. But Paul says, you know, how do you rejoice in that hope? He says, that's not the hope I'm talking about. I love how the, how when you start studying the words, he just says this hope that you're rejoicing in. He says, rejoice in hope, which is joyful, confident expectation of eternal salvation. The translation of that, rejoice in the, joyful confident expectation of eternal salvation just saying like we're talking about the beginning just look to the end see the end see the end in sight and realize that as you keep your heart there that's guaranteed you're a follower of jesus christ you are guaranteed heaven the real heaven are you guaranteed that earth is going to fly by smoothly heck no and he never promised it we oftentimes want to try and hold on to that because it's, it's this idea of that, you know, we're kind of God in our lives. We don't, want, uh, uh, we don't want the messiness in our lives. We don't want tough times. Well, he says, rejoice in that hope. And then he says, be patient in tribulation. Patient, you break that word down, check it out. If, uh, if, you, if you're interested in Greek, you can look that one up and it just talks about this. Patient means remain. Remain in tribulation. What? I thought I got to pray my way out of this thing. No, maybe you're praying, but he says, Remain preserve, endure, bear bravely and calmly. You know, Paul knows it by experience. See, some of you think, you know, you you got a lot of caca going on in your life and you're like, you're praying your way out of it. Picture this for a second. You go to use the outhouse and you um, fall in. And that's kind of what life is like. For some of you, that's what life is like right now. You would compare it to that. It's like, it is just awful. And our first response is, I got to get out of this. You know, God, you've got to get me out of this. But he says, you know what? There's tribulation that's going to come in your life. He's not sending it, but it's going to come in your life. And he says, preserve, endure, bear bravely. Paul writes this and you think, well, Paul, that's really nice of you to say. But then take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul's not talking about this just as, hey, you guys try this out. He says in verse, um, verse 23, he says, I've worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number. I faced death again and again. Don't let this list just be a list. Think about this. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 whiplashes. Have you had that once yet? You're like, oh, you know, I'm going through so much struggle. You know, those kids in high school, they laughed at me because I wore a Christian t-shirt. Whipped five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Three times. Stop sailing, man. <laughs> Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled many long journeys. I faced danger from rivers and from robbers. Do not know how those two are connected, but... I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, on the seas. i faced danger from men who claim to be Christians and are not. Paul's like, just, this guy's got it bad. And he says, but in all that, why does he endure? Why does he say that he keeps going? He says, I got Jesus as my, he says, I forget all that stuff. I look ahead to what, what is Christ. Why? Because he's living for that. He's living for him. There's an enduring uh, thing that he says, you know, he realized I'm taking that with me. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 16, right after Peter had talked about this whole thing of, Peter, you, you just heard God. He said to him after, shortly after, he says, hey, listen, carry, you, make, you know, this life, he says, don't, don't think you're going to escape all of the stuff. He says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to carry your cross every day. He says, it's not about this personal life of it's going to be all really, you know, bells and whistles and flowers, and it's going to be so great all the time. He says, there's going to be times and moments where you're going to go through the hardest thing. He says, endure. And I love in Mark chapter 9, uh, I listened to a guy sharing on that. He says that after this, in, in that um, version of the, of the story, he says, you know what, some of you are going to see the power of God in your life. You're going to see the kingdom of God come in power in your life before you die. I think I want that. We need that. We need that, that, that uh, the, the miracle-working, life-changing power of God in our lives to be really genuinely evident. You know, Paul's saying that, he's saying that, that, that idea of when you're in there, keep your hope up keep your hope up. I used to scuba dive. don't anymore. But back in the day, when you go scuba diving, you can go deep, deep, deep down to that dark, dark water. Why? Because you take your own atmosphere with you. Some of you are getting thrown into deep, deep, dark, dark water right now. You got nothing to carry with you. He's saying, you know what, that idea of just having that, that relationship with Jesus Christ that's genuine, that's not stuck in Sunday, but that's every day with you, just open to knowing, Dad, That carries you through. No matter what you're in, I can endure because I got him. You're my everything, God. I might be dirt broke, poor, and everyone hates me, but I got you. The good news is that when you got him, those things don't always last. There's things where you're going to see the benefits. You realize that's what heaven is? It is the absence of all of this stuff. It's just him. If that's what heaven is, then heaven on earth is that too. Just getting that revelation of just him. And it takes out all those things. Guess what? Your visa bill doesn't get run up because you're not trying to force feed that joy that's lacking in you with something that wasn't ever designed to fill it. It's just him. Something we need. Paul, you know, I believe that that man valued prayer. If he said to us in so many of those places, be steadfast in prayer, i believe that he was. I believe that he would have been a guy who was just saying, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a, a person of prayer. I have a few stories. I'm not gonna share them. I'm gonna share just one. I would encourage you to today, if you haven't set aside some time yet, maybe when you go home, check out the story in Acts chapter 27, verse, um, verse 10 and 26. It's a story of Paul being shipwrecked one of these times. Um, it's a story of him hearing God speak to him. And that word that was spoken to him saved the lives of all the people that were on that boat. 276 of them uh, were saved because Paul Actually, had a word that was spoken to him from God, and you'd know he'd be praying through that storm. But I want to share this story with you in Acts chapter three. I want to close with this this thought this morning. Acts chapter three. It wasn't only Paul; Peter said the same thing, and when he wrote his books as well, he said, "You know, what? be steadfast in prayer, be watchful, be vigilant in prayer." Because he says, that you know, your enemy's out for you, so look out for him. And in prayer is that that spot. But it says this in um, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Peter and John, they went to the temple one afternoon to um, take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. And some version says they went to to the temple at the hour of prayer. It was something that they probably regularly did. They'd go to a certain place. Even that word prayer means it's prayer to God in a certain place. There was something set out for them. So they went there, and it says as they approached the temple of man... Um, lame from birth was being carried in we learn later on that that was over 40 years over 40 years lame it says he was um he was being carried um each day and put beside the temple gate the one called beautiful so he could beg from the people going into the temple when he saw Peter and John about to enter he asked them for some money Um, Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said look at us great word study in that too, if you look up the words look and see, and, and what he's talking about, he says, the lame man looked at, um, and said, uh, and, um, uh, looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ in Nazarene. Get up and walk. And Peter took the man... By the right hand and helped him up, and as he did the man 's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk and walking and leaping, praising God. He went to the temple with them and all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. when they realized who he was, that he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to solomon 's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Um, this story is an absolutely incredible, incredible story. Um, but it's more than that. I believe it's something that just it dropped in my heart for us as a church. Um, there was a, there, there's, there's some really key words in this uh, story. Peter and John saw a certain man. There was, there, this isn't just any beggar that was at the gate. This was a certain guy, specific guy. And uh, I believe there's a reason for that. As they were walking through, um, it says they saw this certain guy. That gate is where all the offerings were taken up. I mean, if you were going to the temple and you were given an offering, you went through that gate. If you didn't want to give an offering, you went through a different gate, right? This was where the offerings were going. So when he sat there expecting money, it's because everybody coming through there would have money. That's why he was there. So he, but so were a whole lot of other guys. But it says this guy, the story is about this guy. I would like to make, make, uh, just bring to your understanding that there was probably a whole lot of guys there who didn't get their story written in the Bible. But he says this guy did. He says he's a certain man. And says he sees Peter and John who were about to go into the temple. And says they weren't looking at him. They weren't looking for him. He says he asked for alms. The word alms actually is not just money. It means I'm asking for mercy and pity. And in that time uh, period, it was asking for mercy and pity in that place. was asking for mercy and pity in the form of money. But it wasn't necessarily asking just simply for money. It, the the, the idea is, I'm asking for mercy, I'm asking for Peter uh, for, um, for um, pity. And it says Peter. It says, "Peter fixed his eyes on him." This, just, this isn't just like, oh, hey, this kind of thing where he walks and sees. Peter says, "Fixes his eyes on him. He's walking. I'm just going to the temple, and all of a sudden, this guy he hears. But guess who he heard all the way along? Man after man after man, after man after woman after woman, asking for alms. that's why they're there. So when he walks, as he's walking, he hears this guy and it says he looks, but he, he does something different. He doesn't look. He fixes his eyes on him. It's like he looks at him like this and he's like, uncomfortable yet? Just looking. Why? God, why am I stopping? What's going on here? There's something different about this man. He says as he fixes his eyes on him, he tells the guy, look at me. Look at me. There's something, there's something different. And so the man looks at him eagerly and says, I'm expecting some pity. I'm expecting some alms. I'm expecting to receive something from this man. It actually says he's expecting to re- receive a certain thing from him. And Peter says this, I don't have silver and gold. Famous kid's song and everything else. And as I read this this week, I was blown away. Uh, because he says, I don't, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you, right? The two words, completely different words. <laughs> the word... Um, silver and gold have I none isn't even there. He says, silver and gold? He says, me, no beginning. I'm like, well, how does that make any sense? So those guys try to make it sound like silver and gold have I none. He says, you know what? Silver and gold is not what I'm going to start with, with you. He probably had money. Those guys had money. Probably that was a thing, but he says in this translation, he says, silver and gold is not what I'm going to start with, with you. He says, but what I do have, what I know I have, what I possess, And that word have is who I'm connected to. It's like what I know who I'm connected to, not just what I have. I know the relationship I'm connected to. And he reaches out, doesn't pray for him at all, just grabs him and picks him up and heals the man. We're like, what? We don't do that? And I'm saying, don't go out from here and go, oh, that's how we do it now, and start grabbing lame people and picking them up off the, don't go to the next wheelchair you're seeing, like, in Jesus' name, grab them out. That's not what's happening here. Can I tell you it was a certain person? Because but... this is the part that, that is, I, I'm, as God's just showing this to me, that there are people that God is, is ready and, and right to heal, that whatever process has had to happen has happened. And as they go, he sees, it's like he sees faith on this man. He's looking at him. He says, look at me. There's something different about you. Yeah, you're here asking for alms, but he saw something there, and it says he grabbed out, and he says, this is what I have. And he says, what I have, I'm going to give you, and pulls him up and heals them in. Yesterday, we were here with a bunch of people doing first aid training. I had no idea what was involved in first aid training, or I never would have took it. You know, it's, uh, I, I, I was here with like 10 other women, not other women, 10 women, and, um, uh, and, and myself, and, and uh, I'm so glad Beth was here. That one was terribly awkward without her. Um, so... We, we were here and we're, we're learning how to save lives. And, and then I asked the teacher at the end after, you know, after she had talked about how to do chest compressions and Heimlich maneuvers or whatever it's called now. But doing all this stuff, um, talking to, to her about I was like, so you know, how many times have you like, had to save somebody who was like, how many times have you done chest compressions? And she's like, never. I'm like, really? She's like, she's been trained and had, had her certification for so long, She's never had to do it. She said, I've only had one incident where I've ever had to be a part of using this, and that was where somebody had a seizure in the pool. And I'm thinking, so we're learning this, and if you do this for a living and you never have to, why am I here? You know, I, This is like a little whatever. So, But I was asking her, and so she, um, she said, yeah, I've never had to use it, but for that one moment in time where you might need it, it could save a life. I was like, well, okay then, I'm going to do this thing. Guess what happens? Yesterday on my way, I went home from there, stopped at home, started coming back to church. I'm driving through Jarvis and I see a man who had been walking along the sidewalk and somehow slipped and fell flat straight across the road, Highway 3, laying there on his back. And as I pulled over, for the first time in my life, I felt like, wait, I I could actually help him. You know, I was going to run up and be like, dang on the thing, pinches his ear. Hey, buddy, you awake? Do you need, like, chest compressions? And, and I was like, I was ready to go. But seriously, if you don't know any of that stuff, the first thing you think is, well, I have a cell phone and I could pray for you. You know, those are my two options. But I was like, I, I had this thing of, I, you know what, I know what I have now. I'm like, and I was just, like, excited to start there. I was like kind of a little bit sad that he was awake and okay. You know, I was, um, we, <laughs> I was terrible, I know. Come on, I just want to be a hero once, right? So we, we lifted him up, helped him up, got him in a car and drove him to his house. And, and um, you know, thank the Lord that he was okay because that could have been really dangerous. Could have been awful. Um, but it was that moment in my head. I was like, wait a second. I know what I have. And Peter had the same thought. He's like, I know what I have. You know what I feel like when I face sickness and things like this? I don't know what I have. I don't know what I have. What I have, I have prayer. Just have that. I have this idea of God. I'll send a prayer to you. You do something about it. I kind of hope that, oh, maybe something's going to happen through this, or hopefully it's going to come through. Those hopes get dashed. He says, I want something more for you. So we've been talking about this message isn't complete in itself because it needs the two that were previous, where we just talked about as people would spend time just in relationship in prayer with God, just talking to God and allowing him to talk to you, being quiet with him, that it says that, um, that out of that, Jesus lived his life. He just knew. He didn't have to pray and fast to cast out a demon because he'd already done that. It was just like, boom, on. That as we spend time with Dad and we keep doing that, that as we see those things, as we see those people, we're like, wait a second, hold on. He's doing, and Dad just says, I'm doing something different here, Mark. This ain't business as usual. There's something different about this guy. Pay attention. Take a look. Take some time to take a look. Okay, Dad, what are you doing? And he says, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to heal that man. Grab him. Boom. Apostles prayed for that. You know what their prayers were? Acts chapter four. God, we want to share the gospel with boldness. In order to do that, we're asking that you would do signs and wonders so that we could share the gospel with more and more people. They weren't asking for signs and wonders just to see them. They're saying, God, I know your will and your rescue plan is to save this planet and we're a part of that. We want to be a real part of that. So God, would you give us a chance to be bold and follow us, follow that up with signs and wonders and being in that place? That's why they see that. Tomorrow we're going to have a prayer meeting here. Same idea, same thought. God, would you just open our hearts to what you're doing in Balmoral? What are you doing? Because that's what we want to be doing. What are you doing in Hagersville? What are you doing in my job? What are you, you already blessed? Then we want to jump in on that. There's so many of these points where I see you guys having that happen, and it's, it's random, but I'm just believing, God, that it's going to become More that it's going to become normal and natural, that there's going to be things where you're coming like, hey, I just healed somebody this week. I know it wasn't me, it's was Jesus, but hey, you know what? I just picked a guy out of a wheelchair. Why? That comes out of just that time with God. And if you don't, it doesn't matter. That may not be what he's doing through you. But to live these lives, each one that we've been gifted with the opportunity to do what only you can do. No one else can reach the people you can, Janet. Mark, no one else can reach the people you can. No one else is going to see the people that you see, Miranda. We need to know what we got for them. Let's pray.